News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Damendek, and joining me on the phone today is my daughter, Jill. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. Good morning. Good you're there. I did press the right button, so I'm good about that. <laughs> Well, Jill, for you, I see that uh, we know that spring is coming because I see that your a few of your children are are having their last uh, last uh, either hockey games or ringette games. Yes, we're in playoffs right now. Just finished. Uh, my daughter got third in the city, so she was pretty excited about that. My other daughter is heading to nationals for ringette um, in a week's time, so they're preparing for that. And my boys are both finishing up too. So. Yeah, another season is ending. It's it's kind of sad, but uh, it's exciting because spring's getting busier at the yeah. store too. Yeah, because you you know spring when hockey winds up, you know that the the snow's starting to melt, and we've had a lot of melting in Saskatchewan here the last yes. few days. And yes, uh, I was out for a walk yesterday, and the the puddles in the parks and stuff like that is just it's it's melting fast out there, and but it's nice to see the moisture too. Well, I want you to join uh, Jill and I both uh, here by either calling us or by texting. It's the same number. You can use the same number for both. It's one 332 8255 That's one 332 8255 You can call or text. It's the same numbers. And we do have a text right off the bat, Jill. And uh, here it's uh, from Stacy. I have a beautiful African violet that has bugs, and now every leaf and flower has fallen off. Uh, this will it grow again? Um, if every leaf and flower has fallen off your African violet, honestly, unless it has sentimental value, I would probably dispose of it and start over with it. Um, African violets are a little bit sensitive to having moisture on their leaves. And so a lot of times if we spray them with Endol or anything like that, they are going to go through so much shock that it, it does affect the plant. So you pretty much have to start all over again. You can, however, do that. Just make sure that you're putting a grow light on it or putting it in a bright window really watching your watering and giving it some fertilizer, and then it will start. Now, with African violets, you can pick up a special fertilizer for it. It actually just says African violet fertilizer right on the container. You can pick that up at your garden center if you're wanting to do that as well. But, but for the wintertime, it's very important. You need, if you want them to bloom during the wintertime, uh, you do, will need grow lights for them. That, that way they'll do really well that way. Uh, yeah. Another call I have here, Jill, is um, good morning, Rick and Jill. I want to grow potatoes in the same pot as last year, but should we know we shouldn't use the same soil. What do you recommend? Yeah, one thing about potatoes is that you should always uh, ro- like rotate if you're planting in the ground. So same thing, what I would do with that soil that you have in the pot, I would dump it out, put it in the garden, whatever, in some spot where you're not going to grow a, a, a root crop, basically, and then put some new soil into that pot. That's, that's the best way to do that. That's TG and Regina. So don't use the same soil. I don't recommend that for potatoes because then you have a chance of getting potato scab uh, much more easier than if you use new soil. So another neat thing with growing potatoes, like lots of people have been growing potatoes more in like a bag or a pot. But one thing, if you have a nursery pot, which is kind of cool, and I saw this one actually on Pinterest or um, Instagram the other day, is take a nursery pot and take two nursery pots and flip them inside each other. And in the inside nursery pot, cut some giant holes in the side of it. And then once your plant grows, you can flip out that inside one and steal some of the potatoes from it and then slip it back into your pot. So it's kind of cool that way. Yeah, yeah, that would work too. And and, yeah. and even, even putting some um, 
in the side of your, if you're just going to use a regular pot, uh, just using a, just without the second pot, just putting a hole saw and putting some holes in the side of the pot as well. And then yeah. that way you'll get, actually get some leaves that will grow out the, the side of the pot. And then that will help the plant do a lot better as you layer your soil in the pot as well as you're growing your potatoes. Exactly. And that's one thing to remember is when you are growing your potatoes, just like when you grow them in the garden in a pot, you need to like mound them in the garden. So you're doing the same thing in the pot. You plant them a little bit lower and as the plant grows, you continue to add soil as the plant grows. So yeah, fun fact. We've got another question here. It says, hello, what's the best way to keep aphids off of herbs and greens in the garden? So, well, one one thing that I would do is make sure you're planting some companion plants with them. Yeah. So, like marigold, there's some flowers that maybe those aphids can go in and eat on those plants. Um, the other thing is, is make sure you have a, a, a pest searching um, routine. So, about every five to ten days, just go into your garden and have a little little peek um, at them. What you're wanting to do is you're not going to keep bugs completely off your plants it's not going to be a completely pest-free zone but you want to keep them at base so that you're not seeing harm and damage to your plants so using a product called andal or safer soap works great um the canola oil and um, pyrethrin um works awesome on your um herbs and then when you if it has a few little aphids on it honestly just take them into your kitchen sink or when you're watering them spray some cold water on them and spray some of those bugs off another thing you can do jill is that make sure that you get yourself a bird bath or a water feature, anything like yeah. that to attract, uh, and also some little wren houses. Um, and just to attract those kind of birds, like the chickadees and the wrens and those kind of things to your yard, it's amazing. If you just watch them out your window, especially if you've got a bunch of shrubs and trees around, these bird, these little tiny birds are just going from branch to branch to branch, eating all these little little aphids and, yeah, and little a scale and everything else that they're going after. And so that is a huge way of just attracting birds to your yard. And, uh, but they, they like to have a water feature, so you've got to do that right from the beginning uh, because that, they're going to choose a place where there's some water to, to put their nest very close by. And the other thing is ladybugs. Ladybugs are one of our best natural um, aphid eaters. So there's little ladybug houses that you can make or build and um, sort of put them in your garden and they will attract the ladybugs there. Or you can send your kids out and collect ladybugs and throw a ladybug on the plant. Now, remember, they eat ladybugs quite quickly. So ladybugs will only stay in the area where there is bugs. So once they um, eat the ladybugs on your herbs, they're actually going to move to another plant so that you're not going to see them stay on a plant for a very long time. So you might have to move the ladybugs around and put them on your plant specifically. Yeah. Okay. And also, Jill, we got one question here before the break. Here is uh, what kind of rose bushes grow well in Regina? Ones that bloom all summer, large blossoms uh, with a nice full bush, not scrappy. And also, what type of peonies? Um, is it true if you plant them too deep, they won't bloom? So on the roses, if you want a nice rose, um, it depends what color you want. Uh, if you want pink, then there's one called Morden Bell that works really well. If you want red, then there's, um, uh, for red ones, you can put in their uh, Hope for Humanity. Uh, that's a good one. Or there's another one called, um, uh, it's going to come to me, it's in my tip of my tongue. But how about peonies, Jill? Uh, Peony Sarah Bernhardt is one of my favorites. It's an old-fashioned one, absolutely beautiful. Uh, he was saying if they plant them too deep or you're going to have trouble, yeah, you want to make sure that you plant them actually 
so that they will have some new growth and it's almost like a tip that comes off the root and you want that to be right under the surface of the soil. The other thing with peonies is if they've started to grow or you have any new growth and you break that tip off, you're not going to get blooms for that first year. So it's really important that you protect that tip of the plant when you're planting and especially from a root or if you're dividing the plant. Um, there is some great hardy varieties. Um, we carry them at the store. And there's also peonies have become um, a bit of a trend flower right now. So we have lots of Japanese peonies, um, some really unique ones. And I'm finding that a lot of flowers, like even some of the tulips that we're, we're, we're getting in now, they have beautiful double ones that actually mimic a, a peony. They look so fabulously beautiful. So peonies are are absolutely great. They love a hot sun location, so make sure that you have them in enough light to be able to get them to bloom too. Okay, another one uh, for the roses, Emily Carr, nice red one, and another one that one of my favorites as well is called Campfire. Just blooms and blooms and blooms. In fact, you, sometimes you'll see almost in November, <laughs> if there's some sticking out of the snow, it'll be blooming the crazy things. They, in fact, I, I don't like to deadhead those ones uh, after the September long weekend because some of these ones like Campfire, they, they just want to keep growing, but I need to shut them down. They didn't get rose hips. So Campfire is a great one as well. So you can do that. We're going to go to a break right now. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Rick Van Damendijk. Uh, and this is 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan, and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Dovendijk, and joining me on the phone is Jill, my daughter. Uh, give us a call at one 332 8255 And, you know, use that same number for either calling us live here on the studio, or otherwise you can text us as well. So that's the same number as one 877 Three three two eight two five five. And Jill, we have Lynn from Weyburn on the call, so we're going to go right away to her. You're there, right, Jill? I'm here. Perfect. <laughs> so, a good morning, Lynn. How are you today? Oh, not too bad. Uh, there was a woman that wrote in, and she said that she had so much Hello, Lynn. luck with adding honey when she had to. Uh, we must not have her on the start, call. Oh, I got her, Jill. Okay, perfect. So, cuttings and and the roots grew so much better with a little honey. Uh, do you recommend that? Like when they get older, is that a good uh, fertilizer? Yeah, uh, honey. The, the, with honey, it's very little you have to use. And and from what I've read from using honey, there, there's there's good and there's bad. Okay, if you're going to use a good, then use a little bit in in. You got to boil out some hot water first and put some in hot water, and you're basically making a tea out of it. Okay. So you're only putting basically a couple of teaspoons into um, into some into quite about, probably a liter of, of of boiling hot water. So then you mix it. So it mixes well, and you pour it around. But the only thing about honey, especially around some some of your plants, like we talked about aphids, uh, honey. Some of the honey can attract other insects around your plants as well. So that is a problem there, unless it's in a spot where, you know, um, uh, like I said, in a house plant or something like that. If you're going to use that, uh, you can. You're not going to have insects that are coming in from other plants. That so then that would work. But outside, um, there's other f- organic fertilizers that work just as well and won't attract other insects. So that's what I would I would recommend, like alfalfa pellets. Let's say um, okay. that would be probably better making a tea out of that rather than the honey. Okay. Well, yeah. One of the things that honey is actually used for too is um, it has lots of antibacterial and antifungal properties to it. Okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Lynn. And so we have also some calls here. I mean, some texts here, Jill, that I have here, and one here 
is, oh, here's Chris. He was saying, uh, it's officially spring <laughs> at 9.33 this morning. <laughs> Meteorologists tell us the weather in the spring begins March 1st, but uh, but I guess it started this morning at 9.33. So, uh, so that's good news. Uh, we have also here, good morning, my Christmas cactus, Jill, she's saying, and this is Bonnie in Saskatoon, has been blooming for a few months, but now some of the stems are dying. Am I doing something wrong or something that I should be doing? I've been watering and fertilizing every couple of weeks uh, since it's been blooming. So what do you think about that, Jill? Well, we seem to have lost Jill here. So, so with Christmas cactus, what you could do with that one? It, one thing I remember is that she said every she's been um, she's been watering every couple of weeks. So, one thing with Christmas cactus you want to do is that the only time you want to water it a lot is when it's actually blooming. Okay. Otherwise, you can stick your finger into the soil, and you should not feel any moisture at all when when it's not blooming. And then, when you when it feels totally dry, then water thoroughly out through the bottom of the pot, and then. Um, and and then don't water it again until you stick your finger in up to your knuckle at least, and and let it, let it go there. Now they would like to have one thing about Christmas cactus, is they like to have some some bright light. They can have even a little bit of direct sunlight. That's okay. Uh, but one thing they don't like being do, done is they don't like being moved. So try to keep them in the same place. Uh, for repotting, they don't need repotting very often. It's only, you'd probably repot it every couple of years, you know, that, that would be all. And, uh, and so that they don't like that very much at all to be repotted. So, uh, so that's the biggest thing. And also using, uh, uh, at least probably, I would say three, three to four times a year, give it, give them a, a, a cactus fertilizer. And that will help them as well. And then once the buds start forming, that's when you start actually increasing your moisture level. So that's your game. Rick, Rick, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Perfect. Um, One of the things with, you said that they don't like to be moved, but if you're trying to get them to bloom, it's a little trick to give them a little bit of shock. And how you can do it is you can put them in an area where they have maybe a little bit of decreased temperature and decreased light just for a couple days and then move them back into the light again, and that will sometimes reset them and force them to bloom. Okay, now we have another one. I, hello, I have black knot on a Schubert cherry. Can I cut it all off now to prevent it coming back? And um, this is uh, Renate. And so Renate, uh, yes, actually right now is a perfect time to cut all that what I call doggy doo-doo in a tree, a black knot, because at the end of, basically toward the end of April, that's when those black little... Uh, seed pods from the black knot from, will start spreading out microscopic spores around and then reinfect your tree or otherwise other choke cherries in the area. So right now is the time you want to trim them off. Absolutely. And then you can also use a dormant oil kit. It's what's called. It's basically lime sulfur and dormant oil. You can spray it when it's uh, above zero. Uh, about the middle, usually about the middle of, uh, uh, of April. That's when I usually spray it. And, uh, if you, most people don't have their hoses turned on, so what I, because the hose end sprayer is the best way to apply it. So I hook a garden hose up to where my washing machine is, and I put a, a hose out through the window if I can, or out the door, or however, whatever was close by, or you got a, you got a tap that's somewhere where it's warm, where it won't freeze again. Um, then you can spray that tree down in about the middle of, uh, middle toward the end of April, and then that'll prevent your tree from getting that black knot again. So, yeah, but now is the time you want to trim that all out for sure. So that's... And yeah. the disposal of those branches is oh, what, Rick? Don't, don't put them in your compost. Uh, put them right into the garbage, okay? And, uh, 
uh, that's the best place for them. And don't send them to the compost bin or the compost piles because that's going to spread spores around as well. They need to go to the landfill and they need to get buried, okay? That's the best thing for that. So uh, we have also Jill. Uh, I, good morning. Deer and rabbits have eaten the needles off my mugle pines and spruce. Some have been completely stripped of needles. When the needles grow back, is there anything I can do to save them? Yeah, I have exactly the same problem. And uh, what you can do with that is you can, you can definitely start fertilizing them once every three weeks using a 30-10-10, so high nitrogen. And you start May 10th, and then you quit July 15th. And it'll take a few years, but you can get them to come back and keep them moist but not wet. And, um, and that, way, that way you'll get lots of growth. But it, like I said, it will take a couple of years. I have the same problem. Uh, they ate every single needle off and, uh, and even did some junipers too. But a lot, all of them are coming back. They look a little bit funny because of some of the bottom ones aren't going to come back as good. It'll come back from the tips a lot. But then it's an opportunity to, to make a topiary tree as well, so that'll help. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, they will come back. Um, now, Jill, we have just a just a little bit of time left. We have got Gardenscape coming up right away. Yeah, absolutely. Gardenscape is happening the twenty fifth to the twenty seventh. So that's Friday to Sunday coming up. Um, it starts at eleven a.m. till till 9 p.m. on Friday. Um, and there's lots of things that are coming up at Gardenscape as far as education-wise. So they have um, three different areas. They have the Gardening 101, which is the University of Saskatchewan Plant Science Department, and they have lots of hands-on um, gardens, and their experts are out there. They have handouts you can pick up. So anything from composting to growing your vegetables um, to what's bugging you, um, how to identify pests, there's so much happening there. On Friday, I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite things. We do a media challenge um, with a bunch of the radio and TV personalities uh, in Saskatoon. And we kind of, uh, me and you, will get them uh, competitive against each other. And sort of you, the audience, um, will choose to see who can make the best arrangements. Um, and then there is the speaker's theaters, which we have a how-to stage, which is more like hands-on. And then we also have the speaker's theater, um, which is more presentation-wise. And there in the how-to theater, um, I'm teaching on container gardening. Uh, we have uh, um, compost there, um, using tropicals in your outdoor landscape, um, keeping trees um, top notch and evergreen browning. I know that's a big one right so now. Jill, Jill we're gonna we're gonna finish. That. Jill, we're gonna finish off talking about what's at Gardenscape. We have to go to a break right now, but uh, you're listening okay. to you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan. Welcome to Garden Talk. I'd like you to give us a call. We've got Jill, uh, my daughter, on the call, on the line with me here too, as well. Uh, but good one eight, morning. Good morning, Jill. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. And then you can do that by either calling or texting using the same number one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Now, Jill, you were, I want you to finish up a little bit of what you're doing with Gardenscape, and yeah. uh, you were doing about some of the seminars. Yeah, so um, I was talking about the how-to stage. So Gardenscape is this weekend, for those that are just joining the show right now. Um, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, um, it's at the Prairie Land, and there is so many different things happening right now. I was talking about some of the classes so that you can take in. So one of the cool ones that I'm, I'm really interested in is, like, the right ingredients for fast compost. So composting is becoming huge in people's yards, and a lot of people are doing it. So making sure that you have the right ingredients in your compost. You'll learn all of the tips and tricks there. Um, 
one of the other ones that's really exciting. Especially, is Joe, especially when we see a lot of this, the towns now and cities, they're going down to less, they're picking up recycle bins more often, but the, the regular garbage bins, they aren't. So, and, or otherwise now they're putting the green bins in. So, um, yeah. so composting so that you cut down on the much, as much of the, what you put in the bins is just huge. Yeah, it's it's really important, I think, especially for sustainability in our future. So, yeah, learning how to do that. And there's two different ways that you can do that at Gardenscape. We have the, the hour-long classes that they have going on on composting, but also the University of Saskatchewan is doing some great 101 pop-up classes on composting, too. Another exciting one is using tropical plants in your outdoor landscape and tropical plants. I mean, they've been a trend for years and we, we see them, but it's tropical plants to add a tropical plant and have that thriller in your pot that is almost like a feature point um, in your pot it just sort of brings a little bit more of a upscale look to your container and a modern flair so that's going to be a really fun class to take in I'm excited about that one um, keeping your trees top notch and avoiding evergreen browning um, hot topic right now I know we get a lot of colors in um, learning about trees and pruning um, on Saturday, um, pruning for fruit and flowers. Uh, so uh, pruning for fruit and flowers, like learning how to tr- thin out your trees and so you can get the best fruit possible. So now, um, now Jill, again, one thing we could do is that for there's a whole bunch of topics we can go on here, but uh, just go on to the, we- the website, go to Gardenscape, just look, Google Gardenscape or go to... Gardenscape Sa- show.ca yep. .ca or go to, go to Saskatoon Prairie Land Exhibition website as well. You'll be able to see Gardenscape there. Uh, so lots of other things. We have a caller in the line now, Jill. We're going to go right oh, to, we're going to go to Sally here uh, in Lestock. Good morning, Sally. How are you today? I'm good, and we very much enjoy your show. Thank you very much. Well, we've got some news, too. The, right, basically, in the beginning of April, we're going to be going to two hours of the show. So that's good news as well. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes. Your question. I was wondering what uh, numbers on a fertilizer used in a garden should be. Well, when you're using uh, fertilizer, like what I like doing is I like using more of an organic fertilizer in the yeah. garden, uh, and the numbers aren't that high, okay? They're, they're lower numbers, but it's all the micronutrients that they have. Uh, yeah. Like And also, I, I like using alfalfa pellets, and then what I do if I'm using alfalfa pellets is what I do is I put two cups in a 20-liter pail, okay? That's what I normally do, and I stir it up really well, and then I let it sit and steep overnight, and then I stir it up again, and then I'll strain it. Um, I'll, either, I'll either pour it straight out and let the extra, extra pellets that haven't, um, that haven't uh, you know, dissolved completely yeah. just go onto the ground and work it into the soil, or otherwise I'll strain it. Uh, the only thing about it is that I don't like using, I, don't like, I, I found out by, by my own experiment that I, that I left some of the, um, the alfalfa pellets till, you know, later on to a few days later. And then they, but they started getting really moldy. So yeah. I, I just like making enough that I can go out there and, and pour it around my, my plants. And, and, uh, if they haven't all dissolved, that's okay. Just pour it out in the garden and just, just work it into the soil a little bit. And then that adds as you're watering after that, that, that'll also add a slow release fertilizer to your garden oh, as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's any, there's there's lots of there's fertilizer is not 
really recommend it? Well, no, there, there is some garden fertilizers that are regular ones. Most of them are around a 12, about a 12, 3, 6. That's usually the numbers of the ones that if you just want a regular fertilizer. But those okay. ones don't have a lot of micronutrients in it. And that's yeah. why I like using some of the, uh, there's even some slow-release fertilizers that are organic as well that release every time you um, uh, that you actually... Uh, water your garden so that works well as uh, as well so yeah 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 i've been using the alfalfa but i just wanted to check like even okay now if i'm doing house plants to a liter of water how much would i add it's basically a couple tablespoons and to a liter water tablespoons yep all right well we had great success We've had great success with houseplants using the alfalfa pellets. And even if you want to just put a little bit on the top as a top dress and water through as a slow release, as well as the tea, it works great. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm thinking I have an indoor cat and it might want to eat the pellets. (laughs) True. Yeah, it's true. But one thing about the alfalfa pellets, at least as long as they don't eat a whole bunch of it, it's not going to hurt them. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, have a great day today, Sally. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And we have Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. Morning, you guys. Now, it's raining here in Saskatoon. Uh-oh, it's raining. <laughs> Just be careful uh, when you're driving out there. My question is, yeah. I built um, some raised beds there uh, a few years ago, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at worms. Like, do you guys sell worms? Like, Yeah, we have, uh, I believe we'll have them this year. They're the red wigglers. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, you just you put them in your garden, and they'll just feed on all the organic matter that's in the soil. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Like I was going to say, like, what do you what do you feed them? But yeah. No, they'll just they'll feed on the organic matter. That's what you want them to do, and then and then they actually create more organic matter as they're working through the soil as well. Yeah, like I, I bought the soil, the the the, the worm castings. Uh, yep. Before, but yep. you know, I'd like to have some worms in there. Yep. You know, my my soil is very healthy. I have very very good yields out of my garden, but I'd like some worms in there. Yep. Yeah. Use the red wigglers. That would work perfect. And like, how like, how many do you put in, in each one? Just one container for depending how big your garden is, obviously. But if it's just a uh, you know like a I don't know how, if it's a great big garden, there's just one container uh, because they will multiply as well, right? So yeah, these just, are three. By twelve, yeah. So three by twelve, yeah. If you spread just one container in there, you'll be fine. Oh, beautiful! Thank you so You're much welcome. for your time, you guys. Have, Have a great, great day, day, Paul. I love that people are getting into beneficial insects, whether it be using the worms for compost or ladybugs or using the nematodes for their garden. Uh, it, it's just so nice to see that these beneficial insects and that bugs are not always looked as bad, and we can stop using some of these chemicals and use some of these natural um, things to make our yards better. It's it, it's an exciting time that we're in. Now, Jill, we got uh, Elaine in Spring Valley. Elaine, we just got a minute left, so you have a question about alfalfa pellets. Well, first of all, I wondered if, if the alfalfa, the moldy alfalfa pellets would have necessarily been harmful. No, they're uh, not. No, no, actually, this no, it's not. You can just use them up, but uh, the only reason they're moldy is because they're in the water, right? And so, right. actually, they'll, that's the whole process of breaking down. You're going to get all those bacteria and molds that will grow in there that will break the alfalfa down and actually be able to feed the plants. Sure. 
Okay, so that wouldn't have been harmful. But I, I want to quickly say that the the Dutch growers, the new facility in at Regina, yes. I stopped in there briefly the other day. I thought the Christmas setup was amazing, but uh, the spring one is is every bit as much or even more. That apple tree in full bloom. I, I saw the picture <laughs> of that. In the it's... Of the area. I, I'm not a traveler, but I would like to be able to go there, pitch a tent, and stay there for a while. That would be my idea of a holiday. That's awesome. Thank you very much, Elaine. It's amazing. Have a great day. God bless you guys. Bye-bye. Have a good week. Bye-bye. That takes us to the break. I'm Rick Van Davenek. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan. I'm Rick Van Davenek, and with me on the phone is Jill, my daughter. Give us a call at one 332 8255 Now, you've got to remember, that number is the same whether you call or text uh, just you, either one is one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Now, Jill, we had a caller on the line, but he had he had to leave. And the question it was Doug and Moosejaw. He asked whether you can put citric acid into the garden, and uh, the answer for that is yes, you can. Uh, just mix with water, and uh, the only problem I I don't have the top of my head is is what the ratio is. So that we'll have to check out on the ratio of that. But you can also use sulfur, and you can also use aluminum sulfate as well to help lower the pH. Uh, the citric acid, I just don't know the ratio on that one, so have to do some, but you can definitely use citric acid. Um, a lot of the greenhouses use citric acid to lower the pH of their water, and they inject it into the lines. And yeah, so, but make sure you're doing a pH test on your soils first yeah. using distilled water. Um, check your pH, and you want your pH to be sitting around 6 to 7 is usually good. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Now, Joey, we have a, a, bunch, a whole bunch of texts we need to take care of here. So um, here's Jackie from PA. I bought two amaryllis in November, gave one to a friend. Hers bloomed by Christmas. Mine didn't even grow for a long time. Noticed the bulb was growing. Noticed the bulb was growing big, bigger. Now there's three very long leaves, but no blooms. What fertilizer should I use, and how to get it to bloom? Huh. I'm wondering if maybe you might have got a bulb that hadn't gone through a dormant stage yet or something like that, or maybe it was just a little bit later. So um, if it's starting to, to set it up, you don't need to fertilize it very much at all. Just put it into the soil, put it in a bright area, and just keep the soil um, just uh, evenly moist, and it should start growing and blooming for you. After it's finished blooming, the leaves will kind of, the stem will kind of die back. You can keep it as a, a house plant or plant it out in your garden. But remember, to get it to rebloom, you need to put it in a dormant area for about eight to ten weeks to get it to rebloom again the following or season. Put, or put it outside, and then the, the cool nights in August, will, yes. even if you leave it in the pot or plant it in the ground, the cool nights in August will trigger it as well when you, put, when you dig it up, and then, uh, or if you just bring it inside, and then to tr- trigger it off to rebloom it, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just take it out of the pot, and then, and then just replant it straight in the same pot or one size, a little bit bigger pot either way. And then that'll give it the shock that it can just start blooming. I got a, we have two, two amaryllis blooming right now, which we planted at the same time as our other, uh, amaryllis, um, um, last October. And there's two of them just blooming now. So, I mean, they, they do, some of them do have their own minds of their own. So. <laughs> Also, we have here, Jill is Dean from Estevanch. When should I start my tomatoes and peppers indoors? Well, um, you want to look at your seed package, and tomatoes and peppers will always have a date on it, how many days they have to maturity. Um, and they'll also have a so-before-first frost. And so what you want to do is our frost date is probably about the last week of May. Well, you want to count... B- 
Yeah, long yeah, weekend. Long. I go by long weekend in May. Long weekend in May. Yeah. So count backwards. So some of them you'll be starting now for something that's maybe 120 days. Um, and some of them you might be starting sort of um, middle of March to, to end of March. So um, just really, really watch your um, your dates on your packages there. Um, some of the peppers, especially some of the hot peppers, they take a little bit longer. So you want to be seeding them now. Yeah, you want to now. Some of them are even late to get started right now. So uh, yeah. you want to make sure you get that going as well. So here um, um, we have here Sharon from Saskatoon. Good morning. Wonder if there's anything new in dealing with the red lily beetle. I try to pick off the plants as much as possible. They're getting worse every year. So with the, with the red lily one, yeah, the, the, that's a tough one. You can look on the back, do your scouting, check the back of the leaves. You'll see this little row of orange eggs. Uh, just take your fingernail and just knock those off. It comes, they come off very easily. And um, knock them off into a little ice cream pail or something like that and get rid of them that way. Also just spraying with an, with an ambush every, every 10 to 14 days. That's about all you can really do. Um, otherwise, you know, um, that's, yeah, that's about it you can do. There's no other, uh, as far as I know, there's no beneficial insect that's really going after them that I've found so far. Um, but just keeping on top of it, that's the big thing. Um, they might be able to do something what you said about putting a water source in the area and the birds might come and eat them as well. Yeah, they, too, might, eat so. the, they might eat the eggs and that. They might actually mm-hmm. even go after the, the beetles themselves. So here I'm going to go with Jill. We're going to go to Gary in Fort Capel. Good morning, Gary. How are you doing? Good morning, Gary. Hey, how are you? Very good. You had a question about poplar trees. Yeah, so we just moved to an acreage, yep. and we want to start a bunch of trees this year. Yep. And uh, we're thinking about the towering poplars a lot. And I heard that you can start them from a sucker or a branch or whatever. Yeah, hard, a hardwood cutting. So a lot of the poplars you can start to actually take your cuttings right about now, and they're both pencil size thickness, okay? And usually about, oh, around six inches long or so. And then uh, you can keep them together, and you can either plant them into a pot right now, or you can just put them into the fridge and then and then um, and to keep them cool, and then you can plant them out right into the into the yard wherever you want to plant them and keep them moist after that. Okay. Um, what about a rooting compound? Is that yep? The, if you use a rooting compound, is rooting compound number three? Okay, it's called stem root number three. That's what you use for hardwood cuttings. Okay. And that helps a lot too, right? You just dip them in the ends just before uh, you're going to you make a fresh cut, okay? There's going to be a node where a leaf will come out, okay? Make sure there's about a quarter inch of stem below that node, and then when you make the fresh cut, dip them in the stem root and then, and then stick them into the ground. Okay. 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 Have a great Sounds day. Good. And that'll work with any poplar tree or work like with, hybrid? Work with any poplar tree. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your information. You're, you're very welcome. Okay, we're going to go right to Tom in Saskatoon. Good morning, Tom. How are you today? Good, thank you. I have an unusual question, I think. Okay. <laughs> About three summers ago, I bought an hibiscus from uh, Home Depot that said it would uh, be classified as a zone four. True enough, it survived its first two winters and came up blooming. But I've never seen any hibiscus since available for purchase to add to my collection. Yeah, that, Do you know that, anything about that? 
Yeah. Well, there is some hibiscus plants that are, um, it, it, the flowers aren't as tropical. Like they're usually a larger hibiscus flower on them. They aren't yeah. your, they have a little bit of a different leaf on them than, um, than your typical tropical hibiscus. Yeah. Um, yeah. there isn't, they're a really hard one for me to find. And I do look for them every year and every once in a while I can get a few of them. So it's one of those ones that if you see them, grab them. Um, I would say that they aren't really a zone four. Um, they're more of like a zone five to six. So make sure that um, if we have a harsh winter, you might lose it. So I would do the same thing I do with like my tea roses and make sure you put a box and put mulch them really well for the winter time so that you don't lose it um, would be I my suggestion. A, I put a big winter tractor i put a big rubber tractor tire around it and then yeah cover it with two feet of leaves oh perfect that's why you're having good success you're having good success because you're creating a microclimate around it so that's awesome good job that's the only way to do it i guess eh? thanks yeah thanks for your call tom more of them yeah thank Thank you. you thank you so, Jill, we got uh, we got some text in line. We'll get to them. We'll text them after the after the show's over. We're coming near the end of the show here now, but uh, there's lots of different things. Getting ready for spring, uh, putting your seeds in spring bulbs. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the stores and the hardware stores, chain stores, garden centers have spring bulbs in stock right now. Now's the time to get them started. Things like your amaryllis, not amaryllis, your calla lilies, canna lilies, your dahlias. Um, Alphineers, all, yeah, all, all that stuff. All that stuff. And now is the time to get that planted up, Tal. Now, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we had a great time. You're listening to Rick and Jill Van Damendijk on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.